Yo Pots. Check out Meet Mitch and Leawood for award-winning barbecue, outstanding atmosphere, and your destination to watch all your favorite March Madness action. Tailgating for opening day? Place your order online and pick up on way to the game. Meet Mitch Barbecue, East 95th and Mission and Ranch Martin North Shopping Center. The show that takes you home. The Home Stretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. We're back, baby. We're so back. November 1st. What a time to be back. We've been off for like, I don't know, a week straight. Haven't had the home stretch. We've been, we've been doing stuff, don't get me wrong. We've had interviews. We've had uh, events down there at Hollywood Casino, the Monday Night Legends show. We haven't had a show down here in a while. It's going to be a fun one. Daniel Harms, film analyst, will join us in about 15 minutes in the second segment. Dylan is behind the glass. Dylan, how are you? I am good. How are you, sir? I ain't no sir. You are today. I am today. It's been a minute. It's been a minute, man. See, it's been so long that Dylan has now regressed into calling me sir. Like, I thought we became friends. I did learn not to say sir, and it has been that long that I forgot. I already forgot. You already forgot. Apparently, the Raiders forgot that Josh McDaniels was a horrible head coach. Apparently, they forgot that he boned over the Colts. They still hired him. Well, that didn't last long. Raiders fired coach Josh McDaniels, GM Dave Ziegler. The team announced uh, last It was late last night. That was at like, what, midnight, 1 a.m.? Yeah, I woke up at 3 a.m. And I, I was like very shocked to see that. Especially that not shocked to see when it was dropped. Would have maybe expected it Friday, but you can't do it so close to a football game. I'm imagining they have Sunday. I don't know if it's their bye this week, but you can't really do a Friday news dump when you want to fire your head coach in a league that plays on Sundays. So. They play the Giants, don't they? Yeah, they tried to oh. play the Giants. Yeah, my thought process was Darren Waller a revenge game, but he's got a hamstring, unfortunately. My thought process was all right. He has the Giants game, and if they lose the Giants, he is for sure gone. Didn't happen. He's canned. I mean, that was just an ugly game, by the way. The fact he was hitching his wagon to Jimmy G, which is not entirely his fault because it's also the GM, right? That's what he was given to work with. Same time, why not go with Aiden O'Connell so at least that way you can throw out the the scenario of, hey, we're trying to build something here. We've we got a young quarterback. No, you hitch your wagon to Jimmy G, who qu- quite frankly can't throw the ball uh, and hit anyone down the field. By the way, did you watch that game on Monday night, the Lions-Raiders game? Because what I was left thinking, is Kyle Shanahan the greatest head coach in NFL history? Because he took Jimmy G to a Super Bowl. He's gotten the most out of Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy. He won games with Nick Mullins. C.J. Bathard. At some point, can we have the conversation that Shanahan might be one of the elite head coaches in the NFL, or at least that he gets the most out of his guys? Because that right there is impressive. If you watch that game Monday night with what Jimmy G did, 
and you had any other thought besides that guy is two scoops of ass, the reason why he went to a Super Bowl is because of Kyle freaking Shanahan. Give credit where credit is due. Uh, the Raiders also fired OC Mike Lombardi. GM John Hamm as well. I thought the GM was Dave Ziegler. It is, but they got this picture up here on ESPN, and he looks just like John Hamm, the actor. Dude, am I an idiot? I, I couldn't even tell you're making a joke. John Hamm took me, uh, I didn't even say it took me a second. I, I should have I glossed that. over. You know who I was actually thinking I should have waited for you to say the name and then said, or AKA Or John, John Hamm. Hamm. Yeah. Um, I, I should have known that you know you don't keep abreast of your Raiders front office executives. Not not a ton. Many S- surprisingly, not a ton. No. Um, the only ham I think about in football is it CJ Ham, the fullback. That's a good uh, good uh, good poll. Uh, not what's it called? Uh, the immaculate grid uh, question right there. There you go, CJ Ham, fullback. Who did he play for elsewhere? Just like, Vikings is all I know of. Let me look that up. I think I think he went to the Rams for some reason. You I'll think, look at you, you, No, no, no. We got it right here. This, this is a fun game we're going to play. I'm saying he's played with the Vikings and I'm going to say just Vikings. Just the Vikings. Since 2017. If there's ever a question on Immaculate Grid, who has over 500 rushing yards in a career? <laughs> C.J. Ham, baby. Or a guy who scored a touchdown. He has five. Five touchdowns. What, what are you looking at? I'm getting pointed at by Dylan back here. I was here. pointing to say you're right. Oh, okay. I didn't really know what you were doing Sorry. back there. I, I was getting pointed out like I was a a student who got a question wrong and the teacher was angry at me. You look like a head coach in basketball who's yelling at me for missing a three. Which I can't be right because I didn't. You're water. I'm not missing the three. It's yeah. water, baby. It's splash. You Were you surprised at all that the Raiders not only canned basically everyone who was of note, but they didn't trade anyone of note. They didn't trade Josh Jacobs. They didn't trade Devontae Adams. They didn't trade, even to an extent, Jacoby Myers or Jimmy G. I'm not saying anyone would, would like Jimmy G, but maybe the Vikings would have at least been semi-interested. I get Max Crosby is the only dude that you build around. He's the face of the franchise. But it seems like you could have gotten a King's Ransom for Max Crosby. Were you surprised that they'd made all of these moves on the coaching side of things, the executive side of things, but not on the actual field? Uh, not really, because the maybe they just didn't want them to do anything else at all, regardless of if it's getting rid of the players they signed or obvious good deals maybe they just said we don't want them doing anything for our team anymore and that includes a trade deadline Mm. because what have they proven up until now that they're going to make a good deal sure that's That's a good point that would be my if i'm running the raiders yeah which i mean The, the issue is now you have a quarterback who sucks 
You have a defensive end who's incredible, but it's not getting any younger. I mean, he's still he's still young, but I mean, again, come do the Neil Smith thing for the Chiefs if you want to. Seriously, um, you have a running back who is solid. I love Josh Jacobs, but he's a running back. Um, and I got one year. You got one year. You're not getting anything for him. So that's the thing is like. Is that a good move? Is that a dumb move? Now you're not making like the playoffs. I mean, you, you might as like well have gotten a. You could have got something for fourth? You could a sign and trade. Yeah, you could have got anything. You could, and then Devontae Adams is the big one because Devontae Adams clearly does not want to be there. And I think Shannon Sharp said it best about it, which is when you're accepting a contract or money, you have to look at the organization around you as well and sure. the history of it. I'm not. Saying Devontae Adams has to be traded because he wants to. This is not the NBA. No, I agree. James Harden said, I am not going to play. And then the Sixers said, you know what, bleep you. You're not going to play any games for us. We're going to trade you. We don't care. You, We want you out of here. Like in the NBA, players who are superstars can force trades. Unless you're Furkan Korkmaz, who's, again, not a superstar. Furkan has been one to leave the Philly for a long time. They basically said, no, pal, you're staying here. James Harden has bullied his way around the NBA. Okay? Superstars in the NBA can do that. The NFL is a little different. You've seen it very rarely, right? Was it um, uh, obviously Eli Manning, right? Not, but, but that's a little different situation, slightly. Devontae Adams, to me, clearly does not want to be there. Doesn't matter. The NFL does not bend the knee like they do in the NBA. But he also has to understand, you signed that contract. You went for the money. Part of it was he wanted to play with Derek Carr. Let's not get it twisted. Remember, that was his what former teammate at Fresno State, if I'm not mistaken. That that was his friend. That was his guy. He wanted to be there with Derek Carr. Derek Carr got shipped out. He's stuck in no man's land, and now there's a disaster going on around him. So while to an extent I do agree that, hey, you signed that contract, take everything in totality around you. Once the guy you actually signed there for a big reason was Derek Carr, once he was shipped off, I get the reason of you being like, okay, I, I want to be gone too. I'm done here. The Raiders, though, perpetual disarray. Who was that interim head coach? Uh, Joe, uh, sort of the P, his last name or something like that? What, uh, when? They took him to the playoffs. Last year or the year before? The year before, yeah. Remember they with Daniels, it, right? The guy before McDaniels? The, yeah, the guy before McDaniels. Uh, actually, it's Rich Basaccia. Rich Basaccia, yeah. I don't know if you said at the time. I know I said at the time, you stick with that guy. That team rallied around him, right? Right. I mean, I, I, I get the thought process of there's plenty of examples of interim coaches who got the team to rally around them that stunk. Uh, Bleep, I just spilled a, spilled a whole bunch Romeo of water. Romeo Cronell is one of the names. <laughs> hey, I get I spilled a whole bunch of water on my laptop. That's ideal. Um, I mean, it's just it it's just perpetual. It's, it's this... If only there was a waterproof technology they could insert into those things. That I didn't spill. Not in the bad part of the laptop. Like it's on like the little left quadrant, lower quadrant by the little uh, rolly bar thing. I'm not a technological genius, as you can tell. Uh, I'm the Josh McDaniels of tech. I think that's probably a pretty good comp. Um, You're being too hard on yourself. Yeah, maybe. I'm the Romeo Crennel. You're the Ron Rivera. I'm the Ron, Ron Rivera. Doesn't know what's going on half the time. Thank you. I'm the Ron Rivera of of technology. Yes. I get what you're saying. My point is, Josh McDaniels was a horrible hire. 
if my options were Rich Passaccia or 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 Josh McDaniels, uh, if that's your point, yes, I'm sticking with Rich. Yes, because you had a guy who was a horrible head coach. From all accounts, was kind of a bleep hole. It was his way or, or or the highway. He didn't give a hoot. He thought he was the the next big thing. Cheated as well. Cheated, allegedly. 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 Yeah. Well, uh, not, not really. But <laughs> and then gets canned. Ask Todd Haley if it's allegedly. Yeah. Then gets an opportunity to coach for the Colts. Gets a second chance, and what does he do? Well, he accepts and backs out. Well, have you heard the story, though? I've not heard the I'm full. Kidding. I mean, there, I don't know how true it is, but apparently there was a extended bathroom break from a certain owner at the house during dinner while he was maybe interviewing a certain someone. And this is the excuse that apparently they used. That the wife was just kind of like a last second on the plane ride. Like, do we really want to do this? I mean, remember this guy was over, spent two hours in yeah. her bathroom. I don't know. That is that is the McDaniels truth, apparently. Well. I'm going to triple fact check that real quick. Yeah. Well, when you come back, when we, when we come back with Daniel Harms, I, I want to have a, a, a paper on this, Daniel. That, that's going to be the entire conversation. But the point is. After all of that went on, true, false with the Raiders, any of that stuff. I, get, I see your thumbs up there. I already found it. Do we want to wait? Say it now. I want. I, I want to hear this. Well, let me find a credible. Because I don't know fan buzz newsletter. Okay, we will. Oh, wait. here it is. Okay, Barstool found Sports. It. Oh, okay. Are we? Yeah. Yeah, it's good enough. I'd say so. McDaniel's wife apparently made him bail on the Colts because of Jim Ursay's weird behavior, which included him being in their bathroom for almost an hour. This is a Dan Dockage. Okay. Sources. So the thought process is either A, booger sugar, or B, he got a uh, really bad stomachache. Dumb and dumber. Yeah, that's situation. what I'm picturing. Yeah, dumb and dumber situation is really good. Yeah. But, that's but what I'm how, saying. But, I mean, and that's the reason why you don't take a head coach job? So. Because of the dude's bowels, allegedly. Come on. Yeah, let me read the Dan Docker tweet. McDaniel's wife made him pull the plug after having Ursay in their home in Massachusetts, observing his odd behavior, behavior that included being in the McDaniel's family bathroom for a very long and awkward period of time. Dog. So... That's pretty weak, I'd say. Dude, you in terms of like the, turning the, something down to then go to uh, to Mark Davis. Yeah, like you know what? We can't handle this weirdo. G- give me Mark Davis is my. See, th- that is the most wild, absurd. I can't believe I, it. I hadn't heard that. I, I no, I half didn't believe it. As you could tell, I had to look it up. Yeah, of and course, check. But yeah, I mean, man, you, you know. Two servings of X-Lax before dinner, and uh, you might not get to hire the head ye- coach. You want. eat some undercooked shrimp, and next thing you I, know, and, and that's the other thing. What was the dish? That's what I want to know. I think the, that, was there a saboteur? Was this a situation where the wife was trying to really make sure? Like, I don't want to go to Indy. I don't want to go to Indy. Let me put a ton of Marilax yeah. into this. See, casserole. now these are the these are the questions that need that need to be answered. Raiders are a joke. Josh McDaniels, the bigger joke. We'll take a quick break. We're going to come back. We'll be joined by film analyst Daniel Harms. Homestretch, ESPN, Kansas City.
Welcome back to the home stretch, ESPN at Kansas City. I don't know if you saw this. On the Bills injury report just came out. You have Josh Allen, right shoulder. You have Kyer Elam, ankle, DeMar Hamlin, illness. And then Razul Douglas, his injury designation was just got here. I have never once seen just got here on an injury report, but that is outstanding. What else is outstanding is we're joined now by Daniel Harms, film analyst for RGR Football. Harms, how you doing? I'm doing great. Now, it felt really good to have Dylan call and welcome you in, say it's been a long time. That's one of the, like, the cooler things about getting to do this is that we get to talk to people almost on a regular basis. And then when we come back, it's like you never left. So that was really cool. Thank you for that, Dylan. And thank you, Dylan, for having me back on. Harms, I've missed you, man. Buddy, I've missed you, too. Yeah, it's been a while, guys. I'm glad to be back. We're actually just going to do a segment about how much we've missed each other. We, we're not. <laughs> we don't want to. All the things in our lives that have been happening. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a catch up time. It, it, it's the boys being boys. Okay, we're here for each other. It's okay being mushy because I don't want to talk about the Broncos Chiefs game. I'm not going to do it. I've talked about it so much. <laughs> I'm over it. The Chiefs move on. Okay, that being said, we're probably going to talk about it because let's be real, uh, that's what we do. That's the whole point of this show is to talk sports. So, Harms, I'm glad you're back. It has been too long, but the Chiefs fell. And because the Chiefs fell, we need to get your your rants here, the Harms rant. What the hell is going on? Yeah, it's earlier in the week, actually on Monday, I recorded a, a rant piece for the members at RGR Football where we get to have extra – racy and a little bit more not safe for work content. So if you're interested in seeing how I really feel, you can always go over there and do that. But after, you know, the Monday after there's emotion, there's not actually getting to see the film yet because it hasn't dropped specifically on my end. So I don't get to see all of the details and things that I want to see right after. Now, a couple days removed I have my film review that will be dropping on RGR later tonight that goes into depth about the issues that happened in that football game. And as much as, yeah, the Chiefs, they absolutely continued repeatedly, stubbed their own toe, just kind of backing into themselves into this corner, the Broncos have to be given some credit to this. They took advantage of exactly what they knew the Chiefs would do in terms of Throwing the football a lot in, in this game. And when they took advantage of the short yardage and the short fields and scored and put the Chiefs behind, that's really when they could just put a blanket down the back end of the of the offense and on the defensive side and really just force things to become difficult. But I think my grand, my big takeaway from this whole game, I think the Chiefs will be too, is that you can't always get too comfortable with your opponents, right? Yeah. 16 straight games. They were there. I think they felt pretty confident going into this football game, regardless of the situation. You know, Patrick had the flu. Everyone didn't necessarily feel right on offense. The defense, I, I really give them a lot of credit for what they were able to do in this football game. And they should be recognized for even with the short field coming in and continuously giving their efforts. So that was a, a great job on their part, limiting what they could still allowing the Dolphins to have a chance in the fourth corner to win that football game. That was inspired, and I hope going forward that the offense kind of picks up a little bit of that kind of mentality. I think that the Chiefs were bullied by the Denver Broncos on Sunday, and they could not respond back with 
the same physicality. And mm. that kind of showed up on the tape a little bit. Um, but again, answer back, right? You've got to find a way to answer going forward and not just for the fans. Like, this is more about them. they they got to figure out what they want, the identity on offense they want to have sure. going forward. Yeah, they're young, but they got some things that they can figure out too. So I'm very interested to see how they respond this week against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and I do think they'll respond and bounce back. I mean, they're 6-2. and two. They're still leading the AFC. I, I get not everything is, is perfect. There are some legitimate issues uh, outside of what the record may show. But at the same time, this happens every single year. It happens every year. And quite frankly, it happens to every team. But the Chiefs, they've lost to the Colts. They've lost to the Titans. You know, they'll lose a bad game almost every single year. The NFL, there's so much parity. Trying to beat a team for the 17th straight time, I get it. You know, when you flip a coin 17 times, if it lands on heads 16 times, it's still a 50-50 chance the next time being heads or tails. I get all that stuff. It's still very, very difficult in the NFL. It happens. The Chiefs had five turnovers. Mahomes had the flu. I'm not trying to make excuses, but I think we can also look back and find some reasons that say, you know what, it's going to be okay going forward. Maybe this is not a long-term issue. Mahomes ain't going to have the flu every single game, but some of the things that we we have seen popping up and rearing its ugly head in every single game so far. I want to talk first with Sky Moore and the receivers, but with Sky Moore in particular, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what to think here because I'm going to get your thoughts because you look at the All-22. You're very good at able or at being able to break down um, receivers in general. Is he getting open? Because at times I feel like he is open and Mahomes either just doesn't trust him. You know, obviously he had that big drop against the Broncos in the end zone. I know he was getting his arm pulled a little bit, but he even said himself, you know, you got to come down with that ball. Um, What have you seen from Sky? Is there some reason for optimism? Where do you land here? So Sky Moore has actually been a much better outside receiver receiver this year than I initially had given him credit for on Monday. He's playing roughly 61% of his snaps as a receiver this year out on the outside. And, Especially when you're playing against the Denver Broncos, you're going to see some snaps against Patrick Sertan, one of the best corners in the NFL. And when you are on the outside, you're going to see a little bit more athletic cornerbacks you're going to have. And, and when we watch Sky Moore, the player, uh, he's not the best route runner. He's not the the best guy to have on the outside. But he's also putting in work. and He's doing a good job as a blocker. I know that's a really boring answer. Yeah. Everyone doesn't want to hear that. But he's a, he's a really good blocker for this Chiefs team as a wide receiver on the outside. And also, he is getting open. Like This is not a guy who's just unable to get open. If there's one thing I can tell you about the Chiefs, if he's going into practice every day, and this is week eight, and he's just not getting open, he's not getting those snaps on the outside. Yeah. But he, he is he's putting in work. He's getting open. And then, as a receiver, yes, your job to get open is to block. But one thing you cannot control when the quarterback gets to you in your reads, if you are a first read. Sky Moore is almost never a first read for Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And that's not his fault. Nothing you can do about that. Um, and oftentimes, the first read is Travis Kelsey. So when Travis Kelsey is one, he's the, when he's the number one receiver in that read, in that progression, then it's to Patrick to either wait for Travis Kelsey to get open, as he so often does, mm-hmm. and make something happen, we relish when Patrick, when Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have this connection where just give Travis a second, he gets open, right? Sometimes that doesn't happen. And when you have that and Patrick also has to guess 
which sure. way Travis is going to go, sure. that can lead to some hesitation. So that's, if you will, imagine you have the flu and your brain isn't necessarily working at 100% capacity. Um, maybe it's a tick slower. Dog, when I had the wait. flu, no, no. When I had the flu, a tick slower is so, I had the flu for 10 days. I ate five cans of soup. This was like five years ago. I ate five cans of soup in 10 days. I lost 15 to 20 pounds. I watched the same episode of The Office on repeat. I eventually got myself to go to the doctor's office. The doctor goes, you buffoon. You waited way too long. There's nothing you can do now. And so I had to just, just sweat it out even more. Yeah, the flu sucks, so I can't imagine being a quarterback playing through it, as you are mentioning, trying to process and go through the reads. Back to you, Harms. But, yeah, saying a tick slow, I think, is still yeah. underselling it. <laughs> I, I think it is to an extent, and we're here. A lot of us are, I mean, even to me to an extent, we're still criticizing a guy who he says his worst symptoms came the night before. Yeah. Um, it, it's insane to, to imagine going in to play a football game against one defense that knows you extremely well as a team, as an offensive designer, and a quarterback. They struggled earlier in the red zone. Yes, they moved the ball well, but back to the Sky Moore thing. If he's, again, Patrick is waiting on, on some players to get open, and Sky's not the, the guy. He's not the number one progression. He's not the read in the progression. Eventually, he's not getting to him. And then, like Andy Reid even talked about, you have multiple times where, one, okay, guys aren't getting open. Two, they're open. Protection breaks down. Three, you have the guy open, you throw the right ball, and the guy drops it. There were so many different things that went into this game, and yes, it sounds like I'm making excuses because it, it that's, I mean, to be honest, it is. They had so many unfortunate things happen to them, and then things that they could control that they just did not execute. That's on them. I also think some of the play designs specifically aren't great in the red zone. They're not great in short yardage situations, those things, but to answer the, the question, Sky Moore is getting open. He is getting open. It's not the. I think that the I, the picture of what they thought the wide receivers were going to be, how much they were going to step forward this season, has not come to fruition. Sure. And when you have that, you are forced to play some players in positions where, yeah, maybe they aren't getting all the glory, they're not getting all the snaps, they're not getting all of the targets. But they also kind of have to. They had mentioned. Earlier in the season, I don't remember if you guys know, the entire offseason, Kadarius Tony is going to be our number one receiver. Well, guess what's happening? The last two weeks, he's playing 20% of the snaps. Yeah. So there's a lot that has to go into the identity of this offense. And, yes, Sky Moore had an, a drop on fourth and two in the end zone. He should make that catch 100, uh, nine times out of ten. Okay? He, he knows. I think everyone kind of knows. And Andy Reid kind of uncharacteristically went to bat for him in the post in the press conference saying, yeah, he got his hand pulled, he got his arm pulled, which I think if Andy Reid, if you were to talk to him one-on-one, might say, yeah, well, he's got to come down with that too. <laughs> so it, Rasheed Rice dropped over the middle of the field. Nobody around. No yeah. one pulling his arm. Kelsey had one too. No, I mean, I mean, it, 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 was a, it was a whole team-wide situation. Yeah, well, but, but, but that kind of has been the story all season long. And the reason why I'm sticking on Sky is I feel like a lot of folks want to talk about him. And I don't want to just sit here and slander him and if we don't have all of the facts here, correct? I mean, that's not the point Absolutely. of what we're trying to do here. 
you know, he's going to be here. He was a second-round draft pick. For all the people who say, you know, we want him off the team, they're, they're so angry. It's like, let's have some new ones here, okay? You know, he's a, he's a guy coming from a small school. He has not performed up to par. We all understand that. But I always like to point out, and you mentioned it briefly in your little uh, intro there, too, he's playing the outside a lot. We all expected him to be a slot receiver, right? We all expected him to be a guy who thrives in the slot. Well, then the Chiefs spent a second rounder on Rasheed Rice. And what's Rasheed Rice doing? He is thriving in the slot. You're not going to move Rasheed Rice to the outside because right now he's looking so good on the inside. But when you're on the inside, when you're playing in the slot instead of the outside, what are you doing? You're typically going up against either A, worst cornerbacks, slot cornerbacks. You're going up against safeties or at times even linebackers. So when you're doing that, you have the advantage. Sky Moore very rarely has the advantage on the outside. Again, I'm not trying to make excuses for the guy, but I'm trying to paint the full picture here. Throwing out and just is giving up on Sky Moore at this point to me makes no sense. No, I'm with you. And I, I would also argue that they're not always running him on his best routes. I see tons of curls, tons of whip routes, tons you know, return routes, error routes, whatever you want to call them. And a lot of those, specifically because teams still play about 70% zone, it's being run right into zone. So yeah. it's it's a little confusing. Uh, he's best with in-breakers over the middle of the field. Right now, what are we seeing from Rishi Rice in the slot? He's running in-breakers over the middle of the field and getting open. Um, so, yes. He's thriving, and Sky is having to do some of the more dirty work and kind of get coverage away from the middle of the field a little bit as well sure. with playing on the outside. So it's a it's a mixed bag. And, yes, the returns this season, even to the Chiefs talking him up all offseason. He spent the whole offseason with Patrick Mahomes. Why the connection isn't quite what we all expected it to be, I don't know. Don't have the answers for you. But I, I do know that it's the cliche to say the sum is better than the parts. But the drops that have had have happened specifically for Sky Moore don't tell the whole story, and I still think he should have caught that ball in the end zone. So yeah. I don't want to make excuses for the guy, but at the end of the day, uh, he's he's doing his job. I think he's doing a good job. Um, do, do I expect more from a second-round receiver? Yes, I do. That's just kind of how it works. And it's always going to look worse from the guy who was drafted. I know it was before him, yeah. but the Chiefs had a chance. Yeah. George Pickens has looked really, really good. Same thing obviously happened with McCall Hardman and DK Metcalf. Uh, moving on from Sky Moore, I want to talk a little bit about MVS, Justin Watson, McCall Hardman, Kadarius Tony, the rest of the guys, okay? Because we talked about Rasheed. He's looked very, very good, especially <laughs> in the slot. I mentioned I think Sky Moore would actually be best in the slot because on the outside. It seems to me outside of MVS and Justin Watson. The Chiefs have so many players who look like they would be best suited in the slot. You know, for all of the stuff going into the uh, offseason, heading into week one, into the regular season, we're sitting here saying, yeah, but all these wide receivers do something different. They all bring something to the table. And then now I'm sitting here, you know, eight weeks in going, yeah, but they all look like they'd be better in the slot. That's why we've seen so much MVS. That's why Justin Watson's been the most consistent wide receiver outside of Rasheed Rice, and maybe even more so than him, because he's the only guy on the outside who can kind of take the top off. I mean, it feels like the Chiefs have so many guys, but they all almost do one thing, and that's play in the slot. Yeah, it's, and I think a lot of this has been magnified because Rasheed Rice ended up being that slot guy yeah um, coming out i wouldn't necessarily say he was the prototypical spot he was more of a big guy and he dominated on the outside of smu down the field like yeah. that wasn't really what his, <laughs> his his pairing was everyone's like yeah the chiefs are going to turn Rasheed rice into a power slot wait 
no, that's not what we all thought at all. Like, that's not the plan. We all thought he was going to kind of ride the bench a little bit this season. But due to talent, doing to some injuries, things like that, he's kind of been thrown into the fire as that slot guy. And then Justin Watson, who we all thought was going to miss multiple weeks, comes back this week and has another great grab on the sideline from corner out on the outside. You know, they motion him down to the inside. He just gets out there and does a great job calling in, the, calling in that football on the sideline. So, yeah, they have two guys in MVS and Justin Watson who can stretch the field, the field vertically, but MVS specifically can't do it fast enough. You know, McCall Harden can stretch the field in a blink of an eye because he has that acceleration. I, I think that teams specifically looking at the, what the Broncos did, I saw tons of not just two deep safeties, but ending up being two deep safeties and then a linebacker or a corner where you have three just deep safeties where they're just like, we know you're not going to attack the middle of the field with anybody outside of Travis Kelsey. And then when they did, you see Rasheed Rice go over the middle of the field. And there's nobody there, and he drops the ball. Like It's just some of the time that the routes that they're running into this outside squeezing of the defense doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And the talent that they have, go back to week one. Kadarius Toney was open all the time, over the middle of the field, in breakers and, and we have not really seen a ton of that. I saw a couple of them against the Broncos and then last week, two two weeks ago, he did have a catch over the middle of the field. But he's playing so like I said, twenty percent of the snaps the last two weeks. With McCole Hardman back, I'm trying to figure out what the plan is for Kadarius Tony. Yeah. If it's just to keep him healthy, well, I mean, you spent the third round pick to bring him in here and then you talked him up as the number one receiver in the off season. If the if that's not the plan, okay, fine. But that's that's come to terms with what this is. It's not really working out with Kadarius Tony. No. Um, so Nicole Hardman knows the offense. You know he's had multi, a, a couple. He's going to get his feet on back underneath him, and, and it might be time for him to play a bit more this week against the Miami Dolphins, where you kind of need that speed vertically. So again, I, I don't disagree with you. Like they do seem like they'd be best out of the slot where they need a little bit more space to get open and don't have to create it themselves. They can take advantage of the space there and not necessarily create it for themselves. We do see a lot of guys that would that function better in space and can't create for themselves. And then we think about what Andy Reid does. We've always talked about the guy who always creates space for everybody else. What happens when that space is squeezed by defenses? Right now, defenses are playing much better than offenses in the entire NFL. Yeah. Going back to since, what, 2011, 2010, it's been – one of the most successful periods of defenses against offense that we've seen in the last decade plus. And they're, they've learned how to squeeze space. And it, right now, it doesn't feel like this Chiefs team is outside of the big plays that we've seen collectively and in every down-to-down basis. It feels like defenses are squeezing that space that Andy Reid so often creates. And we don't see enough of players in the offense and the wide receiver side that can, that can consistently create, like Travis Kelsey can, and it's become a problem. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Harms, film analyst at RGR Football, joining us right here, ESPN Kansas City. The Chiefs obviously didn't really make any moves at the trade deadline. The only one was really McCole Hardman. That was prior to the trade deadline. You know, we always talk about it. We always think there's going to be more. There were a few decently large-sized trades. I mean, uh, I think Leonard Williams is obviously one that comes to mind. But it's not Madden. It's not the NBA. It's not Major League Baseball. You don't see a whole bunch of major trades at the trade deadline. 
But it was a slight surprise to see the Chiefs stand pat, not bring in anyone. You know, uh, the thoughts were Adam Thielen. I'm not saying this is what I would do personally, but the, the, the names being thrown out, you know, Adam Thielen, DeAndre Hopkins, a little older veteran player, maybe not quite a wide receiver one anymore, but probably still a clear upgrade, or even a linebacker with the plethora of injuries at linebacker, which good thing the Chiefs are so deep mm-hmm. there, but still the Chiefs have a, mm-hmm. they've had to deal with a lot of injuries at linebacker, but no moves were made. Uh, what do you make of the Chiefs kind of standing pat at the trade deadline? This this feels a lot like a team morale, but also confidence in themselves. And I don't, I don't, I'm not going to argue with a now two-time Super Bowl winning front office and head coach in terms of they believe they can get this done and down the stretch. And, and honestly, even with their injuries against the Broncos, I assume that Willie Gay and Drew Tranquil would be fine going forward. They did not play bad football with the injuries. And, and they do expect, I guess, you know, Nick Bolton to be back at some point in the near future, right? He's not on IR, if I'm not mistaken. That has not happened, right? Which one? With with uh, uh, Nick Bolton. No. Nick Bolton being on IR. Yes, Nick Bolton's on So Nick Bolton on IR, I don't believe Drew Tranquil is going to be on IR. I think he's going to miss it. So that's obviously a positive there. Okay, that's good. Well, yeah, I, I just... I guess I'm just mixing it up in my head. But, yeah, he had the surgery. So, it would imagine that he'd be on there for a little while. But I think that they, they're confident in the guys that they have. And I think that one of the reasons they can be is that Leo Chanel has played fantastic football this season. Not, not just stepping in against the Broncos, but becoming a guy that they can even trust in coverage a little bit. He's still not the coverage linebacker that you're expecting. But he's getting in position, specifically in his zone drops, has been much better this season than ones last year. So you have growth there. You still have, you know, Drew Tranquil. I, I think that they, he, Willie Gay, and Leo Chanel have a very good rapport. Like they can, they can come in and play a lot of the snaps that each other plays, and that's really impactful to have. And then last week, that was very good um, experience for those younger guys. So I would like personally also to see some depth at linebacker, but I think they feel they've got depth at linebacker too. So um, we'll see if that benefits them going forward. Hopefully, you know, knock on wood here that nothing else happens that, that, that part of their team. And then at the wide receivers, this is, I, I didn't really expect anybody to be brought in outside after McCole Hardman was, was traded for. And they, not just for a morale thing, because one, you bring in, somebody else after you bring in McCole Hardman this during the season we're talking a little bit of morale punch to you know Sky Moore to MBS to even McCole Hardman to Kadarius Tony and everyone's snaps then would get punched down the line you can argue yeah maybe they deserve it a little bit maybe it'll make them play better I think that a vote of confidence from the coaching staff after the gut punch from the Broncos might help them as well but also I, I don't stay away from what I have previously said that this is a talented group of wide receivers, maybe overestimated to what they could have been early in the season and early in the off season. And yeah, that's, that, that's on me. Uh, I'll, I'll take, I'll eat the crow on that. That's not, that's not an issue. It's more about, I think that they've been in the offense now for these, these eight weeks of the season and they will learn. We, we've still seen growth throughout the season from, Last season, you know, Sky Moore got better as the season went along. Right now, Rasheed Rice is continuing to get better. I think they have a plan for Kadarius Tony, but like like we talked about, I don't know. And 
at the end of the day, they want this, the guys that they have to go and get better. And I think that if you bring in another veteran wide receiver who's you know not not going to be here next year, these reps right now for these young guys are more important now than they're going to be in the offseason when they're not playing against a real defense in terms of hitting and trying to adjust on the fly. So important stats for them, and I think that the offense and the team sees that. So that's why we didn't see another wide receiver brought in. Uh, going back to some of the injuries there, um, maybe I was mistaken. I, I thought Drew Tranquil left that game at some point for injury, but uh, looks like he, he was. Did, a, and then he came back. Yeah, he's a full participant at practice today. Willie Gay Jr. did not practice today with that lower back. Jerick McKinnon also did not practice today with um, a groin injury, but apparently it's the same groin injury that allowed him to play 41% of the snaps against Denver. Um, so the Willie Gay Jr. injury is probably a little bit more pressing um, than anything else. Um, and then obviously they also opened up uh, today, Richie James, uh, 21 day to get back on the team. You know, there were thoughts about he was potentially going to be oh, on the yeah. move. That didn't happen. Uh, there's another guy you can throw into the equation. He has 21 days now, uh, but he can now start practicing with the team. Uh, Daniel, you know, I love talking offensive line with you. That's one of my favorite things to do with you. So let's go there. I think the interior has been good, maybe a little underwhelming compared to what we've seen from them in the past couple of seasons. The tackles have been a mixed bag, but it does seem like for the most part, Mahomes has time. You know, Mahomes has held on the ball a little longer than I think a lot of folks would like, myself included. Included. I think at times Mahomes could just throw the ball away instead of getting uh, extra hits put on himself. But what have you seen so far from the offensive line? Yeah, I would say the last couple of weeks, the interior has been a little underwhelming. And I mean, granted, against the Chargers, there was absolutely no no issues there with the pass protection. I think in terms of the run, the run game, the last two weeks have been a struggle for the Chiefs. Mm. And you can also argue against the Broncos. They said, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. Uh, after Isaiah Pacheco's 19-20-yard run where they had a full house package in, they never ran the ball out of that package again, and they only ran the ball six times after that play. I'm, if you can't tell, I'm a little mad about that. That's not something I want to see from the Chiefs, that just abandon it. And I know that throwing the football is more valuable and it's more efficient. It makes more sense with Patrick Mahomes. I get all of that. I think six times after that play was just not enough. Personally, and it doesn't allow your interior offensive line to, to really establish a, phys- a physical nature to the sport. Because pass protection, it doesn't have to be passive, no. But oftentimes, you are taking a step backward. You, you just are. And you're waiting kind of for that defensive tackle, that defensive end to come at you and, and counter. And they, hadn't, they didn't get the opportunity to really – establish a physical presence in that football game against the Broncos. And I think they would have liked that a little bit more. Um, but at the end of at the end of the day, I think this comes down to the tackles because the group in the middle is still one of the, the best in the NFL. And Juwan Taylor, for my money, has been very good. Uh, very good this season. The other side is where the mixed bag is for me. Mm. Left tackle has been up and down, sideways and and letting guys in and turning around and having Patrick Mahomes run right into you when you stand there. I don't, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I really, it, it's a tough spot right now because I, I think Donovan Smith has been fine collectively. As a, he's been fine as, as a left tackle. I think he's probably been a little bit worse in both the run and the pass protection department than 
Orlando Brown was last year. Now you're not paying him what you're paying Orlando Brown. Yeah, that, that, that that's um, a big difference right there. <laughs> exactly. So you have a little bit of okay. Well, he's not that caliber player, but then you think you got a one year contract here. The left tackle position is not in stone, and they have to figure out what they're going to do there. But how do you get how do you get through this this season? Okay, it's getting through this season right now, and Donovan Smith's your guy. So you might have to help him out a little bit more with some some chips. And we saw Noah Gray and Jarek McKinnon chip helping quite a bit in that game against some of the uh, the, the more the faster defensive ends in in Denver. And, and that was that was good for them. I think that helped. I also saw Patrick have quite a bit of time in that football game. The ball just didn't come out. And you talk, you said it yourself. He's holding the football more longer than he ever has in his entire career, which is making that pressure percentage jump up higher this year than it was the previous few years. So that's timing. Um, that's, again, waiting maybe a little bit too long, locking into some of your targets. And then you have when all of that doesn't happen, you have the protection breakdown from time to time. And then that forces the process to speed up a little bit more, and you see, protect, uh, you see the sacks and stuff like that. So I, I, I think the interior is good, and obviously they're one of the best in the NFL, and they'll figure it out. I'm a little worried about the left tackle spot right now. I think that's the, the one true weakness on this offensive line that you, you kind of have right now. And when you invest a year and $3 million into the left tackle position as a stopgap after you paid a, a guy – $20 million to say you're going to play him at left tackle and then yeah. say, oh, no, we're going to go back to right tackle. <laughs> Leaves you a little bit of a loss. So yeah. it's, it's going to figure it out. I think they'll be fine. It's something to monitor for sure, though. Uh, before I let you go here, Daniel, the Chiefs obviously going to Germany to play the Miami Dolphins. The return of Tyreek Hill, at least return to playing the Kansas City yeah. Chiefs. You know, what is this game how do you judge it? How do you how do you view it? Because I have a very difficult time. I know there's going to be overreactions, whether it's good or bad for Kansas City or Miami for that matter. But I don't know how much I can take from a game where they go, you know, an eight and a half, ten hour flight to Germany. You know, there's different viewpoints. Miami's already been there while the Chiefs will get there tomorrow. You know, they're playing on a um, hybrid turf where it's like 90% real grass with 10% artificial put in there. How do you judge this game? So I have a, a viewpoint for you. The last two seasons, Jacksonville Jaguars didn't have a great season to start. They were up and down, rough. They didn't. They had some losses they probably shouldn't have. And then they go over to, to London. They play a few games over there. Then they, they win those games. They come back over here and they start their, their, their season on the right track, you could say. Um, this could also be an opportunity for the Chiefs, after a rough loss to the Denver Broncos, to reset. It's a big stage. It might be the biggest international football game the NFL has had to this point in its entire existence. And it's against the Miami Dolphins, who right now are the, the quote-unquote innovators of offense in the NFL. Um, what Mike Santander has done, obviously having uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell helps, but they also have a three, or I would say a two. Now, right now, it's kind of a one-headed monster running back with speed with Ray Moster, and they sure. had, you know, Devin A. Chan, who was just decimating defenses left and right with his speed, but it's a speed-based offense. And this is a an opportunity for the Chiefs to look in the mirror to say well, they just didn't show up against the Denver Broncos on offense, specifically. I think the defense, again, should deserve gets should get a lot of credit for showing up and allowing the team to stay in that game until the fourth quarter. 
Like they still had an opportunity to figure something out there um, before it all happened. So they should feel very good about themselves. And the offense now is going to have to take, like I said, a look in the mirror and kind of get their, their offense season going in the right direction. We've talked about the ups and the downs and Travis Kelsey this week on the new heights podcast has talked about how it sucks what's happening right now. And he feels that this uh, I'm paraphrasing, by the way, this is not a quote. Uh, he, he kind of feels that it's almost like he, they haven't had this kind of offensive output struggles so far in Patrick Mahomes tenure. And you can argue that he's not wrong. So do I expect them to have a little bit more fire in this game? Because again, it is Tyreek Hill. It's the Miami dolphins and it's in Germany. I think that this is, a really, I'm trying to find some, you know, that silver lining in the cloud, guys, with a Denver Broncos loss after having 16 straight wins and you finally lose. You've got to find something out of that loss, right? So take that. Everything that you, they, they feel about that offensively, yeah, put that into this game and look ahead now because after this is the bye, use this game as the opportunity to find all those things that you want to work on and build upon going forward for the rest of the season and use it as that springboard into the into the bye week and then figure all your stuff out. So I think they're going to come out pretty emotional, pretty impressive and willing to do a lot of different things on offense to keep up with the Miami Dolphins, which will be a challenge to keep up with, to be honest. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I look forward to it. It's an early game. I love early football. I know some people hate it. I love it. When I lived in California at six o'clock, 6.30 in the morning, I was like, yes, give me football. I love it. <laughs> well, for me, it's a, it's an excuse to drink some mimosas. Uh, <laughs> Daniel Harms, film analyst of RGR Football. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at inharmsway19. Harms, great talking to you again, man. Oh, man, it felt good to be back like I'm supposed to be here. So it was a nice, <laughs> definitely nice conversation. And thank you again, Dylan, for the warm welcome. <laughs> Always, buddy. Missed you. <laughs> Missed you uh, that was Daniel Harms. Again, make sure you follow him on Twitter at inharmsway19. Before we get out of here, Falcons are elevating Taylor Heineke to starting quarterback against the Vikings. Atlanta's, what, 500? There's no denying that Taylor Heineke is a better quarterback right now than Desmond Ritter, but who are we fooling? They're not a good team. You have to figure out if Ritter's your guy or not. Do they actually think Heineke might be the guy going forward? This is bad news, Bears, if you are a Falcons fan. I get it. You might think this helps right now for the short term, but does it really? Are you even better than New Orleans? Are you even better than Tampa? I mean, it doesn't matter. They have the easiest schedule left in the NFL. Atlanta does. So they might make the playoffs. But this is very bad for the future. Uh, Packers, they say they need more time to evaluate quarterback Jordan Love. What, three years on the bench and now, what, eight games wasn't enough? Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a real vote of confidence for Jordan Love. And the Raiders, any surprise here? Benching Jimmy G to start. Aiden O'Connell at quarterback against the Giants. This was the Holmes Reg here, ESPN Kansas City. Until tomorrow, we are out.